Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Hope everybody had a nice weekend out there. Hope you got a chance to do something that you enjoy from a uh, safe and reasonable distance. No partying, none of that kind of stuff, I hope. Uh, I, uh, as usual, did a lot of baking, baked some bread. That's been my hobby since March or April now, doing the sourdough. I still have it going. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I still got my starter going. I feed it every day and uh, bake bread maybe twice a week. It's awesome. I also made tortillas for the first time, which was really fun. I'd never done that before, and it was like the simplest thing in the world. Flour, salt, water, oil, combine it in a food processor, whip it up into a dough, roll them out, and uh, cook them on a griddle. It went really fast, really simple, tasted incredible, just simple flour tortillas. So uh, learning to expand my cooking repertoire. I'm enjoying it. Sarah Stiles is my guest today. Sarah is probably known best as, a, as an actress on Broadway. She was in the adaptation of Tootsie that was on Broadway last year. I guess it closed in January, so a little bit of this year too. But uh, she played Sandy Lester in that. And uh, she performs this incredible song, What's Gonna Happen, which is, uh, she go listen to the Tootsie Cast album. She is phenomenal in that song and is fast and powerful. And we talk about that in the interview. It's, uh, <laughs> it's cool. But, you know, she was awesome in that role as Sandy. And uh, people took notice. She was nominated for a Tony, an Outer Critics Circle, and a Drama Desk Award for, uh, for that performance. So very exciting stuff there. She also starred in Hand to God, Avenue Q, a bunch of Broadway stuff. But uh, she's also known for her TV work now. Uh, you can see her as Bonnie Barella on Showtime's Billions. She was on Epic's Get Shorty. And she's on a new project right now, the upcoming Netflix series The Crew, which is a Kevin James comedy. It's a multicam sitcom. And you'll hear in the interview, uh, she started shooting it before COVID. And then production had to be halted. And now they're going back to work, which was really interesting to hear. I think it's about another week or so before they'll be back on set. But Sarah's kind of the first person that I talked to that's gone back to work in the fiction space, in the narrative space, uh, with all the new COVID regulations in place. So just hearing about how they're handling social distancing and, you know, lots of different things come up. Even even how crafty works, like just getting food on set (laughs) is a whole different process. And uh, you'll hear her talk about that. It's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Sarah also has a new EP that just came out last week. It's called You Can Ukulele With Me. You can stream that wherever you listen to music. It's a, it's a fun little group of songs. They're bright, they're sunny, they're optimistic, but also slightly pessimistic. I guess they're, uh, they just fit this time really well. It's, uh, it's an album that she started recording before the quarantine. And uh, it just, yeah, it fits with where we are right now. I've listened to it a couple times now over the weekend. And uh, yeah, just, I I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you'll go stream it too. If you like ukulele music, I love it. I talk about in the interview, my wife plays ukulele and it's like, it's the music of our house right now. So Sarah's music just fits in beautifully with that. But yeah, if you like just feeling relaxed and sunny and want to feel like there's someone out there telling you things are going to be okay, you can ukulele with me. Well, not with me, with Sarah. That's uh, that's the album. Go check it out. All right, here it is. My interview with Sarah Stiles. Uh, so why don't we start by just sort of talking about what's on all of our minds, I guess, the last, you know, six months or however long it's been. How is your, uh, how's your quarantine been? 
Oh, you know, it's been a roller coaster. It's been so, it's just up and down emotionally, right? It's yeah. like been so scary at times and then also really like soft and quiet and like wonderful at times, really. And yeah, I don't know. It's just day by day. Today I feel okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like running around jumping, but like I feel, I, I feel pleasant inside, which is a nice feeling. Yeah. It, it's so tough. Like I, I totally hear you that there's just these great moments of kind of introspection yeah. and chances to you know read a book or something. And then right. there's just these moments of like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> like how much longer is I, I life going to be like this? It's so funny because when it, it all started, I was, I just really, really did not think we would still be here right. at this point. Yeah. It really felt like it was going to change. I was actually thinking about that when, because this podcast, what a great idea, but I also would, I don't know that I would have done it because I've been like, oh, we'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be done quick. Well, it's funny. Like, we are. We're yeah. I launched this show in May and like raced to get it up. Like it was, it, yeah. I felt like it was already too late at that point. And so I was doing right. two shows a week right. and just like, you know, by June, this is going to be done. Like everything's going right. to reopen and there's going to be nothing to talk about. And like, I'm booked right. into September now. <laughs> like there's just still people that you know, know are living this. And, you know, I mean, Broadway is like, you know, at least until the end of the I'm, year. So it's so true. I feel like I've accepted the fact that this is just what it's going to be for a while. Yeah. And that's okay. We have to find our way through it. Yeah. Keep living and stop. I, I always say it's like, you know, in the beginning it was like, oh, this is just a pause and we can just do whatever and eat whatever you want and drink whatever you want and do puzzles and, you know, not worry about anything and, and then it'll be over and we'll forget it happened. But now I'm like, oh, right. No, you got to keep living your life. Right. Girl. <laughs> you have to find things to do. You have to grow as a human. You have to like keep living. This is life. This is not a pause. This is just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Eat healthy and exercise. Yeah. Although, oh like, my gosh. I know. I'm still struggling with that. Like we're having ice cream like every single night and I'm like, at some point I've got to stop doing this, but for now this feels good. So I'm just... <laughs> you know, that is so true. Are you a baker? Do you have any bakers in your family? Yeah. Well, both my wife and I have, have been like, I've been on the kind of, you know, the bread and all that. I've been doing sourdoughs and pizza crusts oh, and yes. like that kind of stuff. And then my wife does all the sweet stuff. So she's been doing, you know, pies and oh. we started making our own ice cream. <laughs> like a week oh or two ago or, yeah like oh you, that's exact my fiance is that person he yeah. just makes everything from scratch i mean he he bought a grain mill oh, wow. and is grinding his own wheat that's for serious. the where do you get wheat i don't know he gets it online like he gets these <laughs> shipments i swear to god every day there's some package from amazon arriving i'm like what is this that's awesome we have a little apartment in the upper west side like we don't have storage for, for all this <laughs> It's not a mountain cabin somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, how funny. Well, so yeah. I, I've got a lot of questions for you just sort of about entertainment and stuff. You know, I, I guess I want to understand, like, when when the shutdown happened, you were on a show, right? You were working on The Crew, Kevin James's new show. Is that yeah, right? I, yeah, I actually was doing two because I, I was The Crew. I'm a series regular regular on that. Yep. We were just shooting our we shot our seventh episode you know, that Friday after, like, the Broadway shutdown happened on the, on a Thursday. When was that? Like, March, March 14th, March 13th, 14th? Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, so we got through that Friday, but they had to cancel the live audience. And I was also, I was still shooting Billions as oh, wow. well. So when I could, um, on hiatuses and such. So that also ended at the same time. Wow. <laughs> there was a lot. It was wild. 
it was quite a, a full stop, yeah. which felt really weird. Right. And we had such momentum. The, the Kevin James show was just like cooking along and we were having such a great time. The cast was awesome. We have the same director, which is sort of unusual for a, Oh, he's a doing sitcom. all 10 or? He did all of them. Yeah. Wow. Andy Fickman, just so wonderful. And Jeff Bowles, our showrunner. And it was just this great, cozy family. We're having, you know, the chemistry was rocking. The shows, the episodes were great. And then we had to say goodbye. I remember being on set. I had my last scene was with Kevin and I was like in the weirdest mood i was yeah. just so weird and freaked out and washing my hands every 30 seconds and he was like relax we're gonna be back we're just gonna take a couple weeks off we'll be back we'll right. be back in two weeks you know it's weird to think about that we we're all so sure <laughs> yeah no it felt like you know may at the latest probably right it was like totally yeah totally yeah but we are lucky we actually are going back with that a couple weeks and then we're um we're doing the whole like quarantining in a hotel, oh, wow. driving yourself to work, you know, having <laughs> this this silkwood bath between shots. I mean, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but it's gonna be like it's gonna be pretty uh intense and there are it's gonna be very safe from yeah. all of the protocol, everything I've read. Netflix is gonna take really good care of us. So I'm so excited to go back to work and finish up this show because we can't wait to get it out there. Yeah. Will you have an audience for those last couple shows? No, no, we won't. It's we won't have an audience. It's gonna be, you know, limited crew. It's it's interesting, like the things that you just take for granted, like crafty. Right. There's not gonna be crafty. Like you can order food, but you, we'll all have these iPads that we we don't have like human contact basically. Wow. So yeah, so you just sort of text what you need, and then it shows up in a cubby, and then you go get it. It's, it. Like, it's the same with props. We always hung out on set and watched each other's scenes, sure. and we can't do that now. So it's going to be weird, but I think it will also everyone's so ready that I think the energy... I don't know. I'm going to say it. I think these last three episodes are going to be on fire because everyone's really ready to perform and connect and, you know, get back to work. Right. So I think it's going to be strange, but it will also be a relief in a lot of ways. Yeah. Does it tape in New York? In Long Island. Okay. It's like the greatest thing because it's sort of one of the safest places to be right now. Right. I mean, New York is like, honestly, in the beginning, you know, my fiance and I were like, we got to get out of here. Right. It's so toxic. And now we don't want to leave. It feels yeah. like much safer. God, yeah. I love New York. It always rise to the occasion, right? Like every it's New York tough. It's a real thing. Yeah, no, it's true. And it, it is incredible just sort of looking at, I think it's below 1% positivity right now. And like, yeah. I mean, that's like what Europe's at, you know, and the rest yeah. of the country is just completely fucked. But New York is uh, kind of clawed back Most, in the best way. It's so true. Most of our cast is coming from LA and they actually fly today, I believe, because oh, wow. they got to do like a, a two week quarantine before we even start filming. Yeah. So, and everyone's doing the testing and all that too? Oh yeah, I start testing. I, I order my kit today and wow. we're going to be testing a couple of times in these next two weeks and then once we get back to work, the actors test three times a week. Wow. And I haven't done it yet. Have you done it? I haven't, I haven't no. had the nose I'm Although like really I've, nervous about it. <laughs> I've heard, I don't know what kind you're doing, but I've heard there's one now that it doesn't have to go like all the way like back to your brain. <laughs> like I guess oh, there's like a Q-tip that can kind of do right in the, like the front of your nose. I really, really hope that is what <laughs> we're going to have because 
the Q-tip in the brain scares me. Even though, you know, I'm I'm a singer, so I've had to do, like, the nasal scope before. Oh, Have you ever yeah. had that? I haven't, no. And that's, that's super intense. I've done that a bunch, but I don't know. It's, they don't try to poke you. They try to, like, avoid all the walls right. as they go down to your vocal cords. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, but listen, whatever I have to do, I'll get poked in the brain yeah. three times a week if I can get back right. to work. <laughs> do you have a sense sort of like, I, I assume, maybe I'm wrong here, but that like when you guys started production back in, in you know late winter, early spring, mm-hmm. that the 10 episodes were kind of written and, and sort of knew what the arc was. Like, have the writers had to go back in now and rework the scripts based on like social distancing and things like that? I believe so. We had a Zoom call with Jeff and the whole cast, Jeff Lowell, and he was saying they've had to make some adjustments. The other thing is that every episode, we actually never completed any of the episodes because there's always scenes that happened at a NASCAR race, as our show's about NASCAR. Yeah. So we, we had missing scenes because we were supposed to fly out right after we finished the 10 uh, to Virginia and go to a NASCAR race and shoot for like three days there. So now they've had to work around all that because we, we had a lot of NASCAR drivers and reporters and, right. you know, fun guest stars. And I believe that's going to be tricky. So they they have definitely had to adjust some things. Wow. Well, it's, I know they're persevering. I know that. Yeah, I know that like they wrote in my my packet from Netflix said that I have to hug another actor on Friday, the Friday, the first Friday we film, and there were all these rules about when the hug was going to take place and how many times we could do it. Wow, so crazy! Wow, I know. I don't know. Jeff was saying something about like if there's a kiss, then there's these, this weird mouthwash that people like. Do before and after. Wow. What is happening? It's yeah. so crazy. I mean, when I really think about it, I get really freaked. I don't right. know if you struggled with fear. I definitely am like the fear thing. I'm someone who's, you know, a little neurotic and pretty anxious just normally. Right. So adding this has been, um, I, it's led to a, a, a number of sleepless nights, I'll say that. Yeah. But I think I finally got that under control. No, understandably. And it's just, there's so yeah. much to think about. Like, I, I saw a job posting the other day. They were hiring in the Boston area, like a, a COVID officer, basically, to go on set and, yeah. like, oh, yeah. make sure everyone's yeah. compliant. And, like, you needed, like, EMT training and stuff for it. Like, it wasn't just, like, you know like a grip could do this job or something. It was like, right. you need to have right. like a medical background and just to think through every piece of that. But yeah, like if you kiss, like what's this mouthwash and how does that work? Yeah. But like, I yeah, know. the logistics of it are just crazy. It is crazy. It's definitely crazy. Well, so I want to talk to sort of about your, your Broadway background because TV is relatively new for you, right? Like you, you're, you're more, yeah. a, more a stage actor. You were in the revival of Tootsie that you guys sort of closed, it was scheduled closing, but in January, like right uh, before honestly, you, you just made keep, it. Yeah, we keep saying we're so we're so grateful we were so sad that we were closing because it was kind of closing early it really it didn't make it a year and so that was very sad at the time but now we look back on it we're so grateful because we actually got to have our closing and our closing night party and have that closure i mean the shows that just now have disappeared it's just the saddest right it's so sad when you do a broadway show there's a lot that goes into it before you even hit Broadway, you know, right. a lot of people are involved 
right from readings and workshops and they do the out of town and then they come in and, you know, it's such a family and it's such hard work and to not, gosh, to just sort of have it disappear. It's really weird. Yeah. And I I wonder, too, like, we don't know yet, I guess, what it's going to look like when it comes back. But, you know, these shows that sort of got halted, like, halfway through their run, like, do you put those shows back up and let them finish? Or, like, has everyone moved on to new things at that point? Like, I don't know if those logistics have been worked out yet, but that's really fascinating to me just to think about. Yeah, I think it depends show to show. But, I mean... I think it's um it's so expensive. The rent is so expensive for those theaters. I I don't know. I'm I'm really I'm nervous about it. My my fiance is is the head electrician of the Friedman Theater, oh, okay. which is MCC's Broadway space. So he's hearing that he'll be back in March, and I'm not even sure if they landed on what show they're going to do because they were in the middle of tech yeah. of a show and. So, you know, they're, they're trying to decide, do they load that show out and start with one that was supposed to be this spring? Or do they just keep the sets and everything there and go back into that show? I mean, it's it's crazy. And then also, you know, there's all of that, but it's like, who's going to come? Right. I'm so nervous about that. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that would be my first choice to go and sit in a crowded theater. I mean, right. even if they spread people out. Also, theater is all about, like, laughing and clapping and whooping and those are not good things to be doing (laughs) right right. now either right i don't know um i mean listen it will persevere and it will come back we we need live entertainment it it will happen but yeah i don't i don't know when and and my heart really goes out to all of my fellow you know broadway actors and crew and musicians i mean it's not as profitable as television is and so it's you know, a lot of people are, are living paycheck to paycheck. So it's it's a really hard time for a lot of people. Yeah. And and the economics of it, too, are based on filling the house, which, as you say, yeah. if you're social distancing and, you know, every other seat yeah. is empty or something like that, just that throws that whole equation off. So, yeah, it's I know. I know it's going to change a lot. It's a long climb. Well, I have a lot of questions about Tootsie, too. Just I'm so curious sort of about your process of of working on it and all. Like, just to start with, like taking that source material, you know, having a a beloved movie that everybody knows and, you know, it's just a beloved performance. Yeah, right. I mean, Terry Garth. Yeah. How much are you basing your portrayal of of Sandy on what Terry did? And like, how much were you, did you watch the movie or how much were you like, I need to, I need to take it in a different direction or make it my own? Yeah, I mean, I think I I had seen it years and years ago, and I I didn't rewatch it. I I actively chose not to yep. because I just knew it was like an iconic performance, and I didn't want to get it in my head because you. I just think you always get in such trouble when you try to mimic. Right. Um, so it had to come from me. But you know, the minute I read that script, I remember reading it. It was for, I got offered a reading, Scott Ellis, I had worked with him, the director, in a different reading, and then he offered this one to me, and I read the script and thought, oh, she, I mean, she just, like, leapt out of the page. Like, I could hear her, I could see her, she felt so very close to something inside me that I really, like, understood in my belly, and so we just went from there, and Robert Horn wrote the most incredible book. He can write jokes for days. Yeah. I mean, every time we would come to the table, there'd be like 10 new jokes. Oh, and wow. when we were doing, yeah, it was like, it came from a, 
a TV background. So he was, he was really used to working. He worked on like designing women. He, okay. he was used to like multicam shows and writing really fast. And even during previews, we would just get new stuff to try every single night, which I do in the crew, right. <laughs> which feels very natural. But when you're doing it for like a thousand people, yeah live no retakes right yeah yeah it's so scary because it's so much about timing you're like i need to get it out of my mouth i don't know if this is gonna i don't know i mean i will say i got better at that like working with him made me um more confident in my joke delivery i guess because i had to get i had to get better at it yeah that was what was required (laughs) yeah it's it's all it almost prepared you for uh for the crew i guess like just it kind of did yeah. yeah like a multicam environment, but on stage. It really did. And it wet my whistle for it. I was like, man, I really want to, I want to do this. I want to, I want to try this. And actually one of the producers from Netflix saw Tootsie and that's how I, I got a direct chemistry read with Kevin. So it wasn't, I didn't even go through the process of the normal auditioning. They just brought me out to Long Island, had me read with Kevin and then I got it. So it was like kind of awesome, but that was really based off of, Tootsie um, and that performance, even though Sandy and the role I play in the crew, Beth, are very different people. Thank God. Because I don't know if I could be that (laughs) tornado Sandy for another year. It was like a lot emotionally to deal with. No, understandably. And and I want to talk too about, you know, like one of the famous songs from that musical now is is the song you perform, uh, What's Gonna Happen, which is just like rapid fire pace. Like, I I just wonder, (laughs) like, even just learning that song, like, how did you, how did you get that song in your head? Because that just feels so complex I mean it wasn't anything more exciting than just doing it over and over and over again I mean it really was that basic it was just you know at first when you're first learning you try to marry like the same with lines in a multicam where you have to learn them really fast you know you kind of marry your like blocking to the words but it became like muscle memory eventually and I don't think that song will just ever leave my head. I mean, it is <laughs> ingrained in there. But I do remember one of the one of the previews, Yazbek, David Yazbek, the composer, tried to shift some lyrics. And I think it was like flat out was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's in um, there. It's not going away. You come up yeah, you come up here and try that. No. <laughs> Yeah. You can't do that to me. It's too late in the game. It's perfect. They're right. laughing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, so I wonder too, just sort of in general about working in the stage, because it's it, like the only stage work I've ever done on the performance side was like, you know, school plays and stuff where like you'd work on it for, I don't know, two months and then you'd have like yeah. two nights of it and it's done. Um, but right. like, <laughs> like, I'm not used to sort of having to perform, you know, eight shows a week. Like when you get in that mode, how much of it, is just sort of muscle memory and how much how how I guess how conscious do you have to be to stay in the performance every night and just you know bring something different to it every night um if you don't want to lose your mind or be bored to tears every night I would yeah. say that okay yeah um and I also think that's the joy of it I mean I I'm still trying to figure that out with television honestly because for me I feel like you know it's the it's in the repetition that I find those gems Mm. like that I'm able to like expand and find something just like totally unique yeah sometimes that comes like six months into the run and all of a sudden you're like wow what that is that choice 
leads me in such a great direction. I need to, you know, stick with that like that. And why didn't I think of that before? So I'm trying to figure that out with, with com- especially with comedy. I guess that's the biggest thing. It's like trying to figure out how to do that in television. Yeah. But, you know, with the live audience, it's just you are constantly trying to find different ways to make them laugh and different moments. And I love performing in theater. I, I, I actually do like the repetition a lot. Yeah. I think it's, I think um, you learn a lot. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, and it's it's funny too, just sort of thinking about what you were saying before about you know j- jokes changing and things like that. That I was thinking mm-hmm. about like in a in a comedy, a, a TV comedy, like if your timing is off a little bit, the editors can help you and they can save yes. a joke that you know. But like when you're on stage, you're editing yourself essentially. Like it's it's oh, one take. Yeah. It, like there's no there's nowhere to hide if if your timing is off or your delivery is off, right? Yeah, it's so true. And sometimes if you're trying something new and you're like, oh, that was terrible. (laughs) But it makes you resilient because you just got to, you know, move on. Like, don't stick, don't stay there, just keep going. Uh, And you're, you know, your your partners on stage help a lot. And that was the thing about Tussie is the cast was awesome. So working with them, they were so flexible. And it was funny because Santino and Andy were the two guys I worked with the most. They played Michael and Jeff. Yep. And Santino, he gives a very solid, like, he he finds the best choice. And he can do it as though it's the first time he's ever done it every night. Hmm. It's like feels completely new, totally authentic, and, and can just serve it up to you. And Andy was very more like me, where we would just sort of go off the rails sometimes, just switch it up. <laughs> right. But there was such joy in that too. It was it was a nice combination. That's awesome. I wonder yeah. too, just like when you're trying different things, like are there are there certain nights that matter more than others that you're just like this is this is the night where I need to give a hundred percent, and are there nights where you're like this is this is a crowd where I can I can experiment a little more, be a little freer. Like, I, I get is, yeah. is is there a rhythm that you get into that like gets cyclical, or is every show just yeah. you're reading the audience differently every night? Yeah, it's all uh, you you say it just right. It's it's all about the crowd. I mean, and honestly, if the crowd is really with you, yep. which you can usually tell right from the beginning, if they're really invested, I find that's when we often would explore more because they were so alive and they were, you know, it, there felt like there was an opening to try new things. Hmm. If the audience was kind of sitting back and really letting you go to them, it was harder. (laughs) It was harder to show up, I guess, for them. But I don't, I never feel comfortable you know, phoning it in and, and not to say I've never done that. There's definitely been moments where I, you know, for whatever reason, I just, you know, the, the Tony time is so crazy because you're so busy with interviews and press and like functions. And then you're still performing all the time. And you're also performing your songs at different venues. So you're just working 24 seven. So those nights, were hard but also at the same time there's voters in the audience (laughs) (laughs) i don't know and listen broadway's hard it is really it's exhausting 
it's exhausting. Yeah. I know I have so much admiration for, you know, you and other performers just because it's, again, it's not something that I really understand coming from the TV world. And, you know, yeah. like we do our thing and it's done. <laughs> and like, right, you know, yeah, right. it's, it's always evolving with you guys, which is, is so fascinating. Um, yeah. I want to ask you too, just about Avenue Q, because um, yeah. like, I, I interviewed uh, the president of television from Jim Henson a few weeks ago and was just like oh. so fascinated by like the world of Muppets and puppetry and all yeah. that. Like it was something that I didn't really know I was into until I started talking to her. And then I was just like, whoa, this is like the coolest world. <laughs> but like <laughs> wh how how did you learn the puppetry for Avenue Q? Like was was there is, is it is it fairly, I, I don't know, simple to pick up, I guess, or is it like a whole craft into itself? It's a, it's a whole craft. I mean, I think that some people, some people are just sort of take to it the same way, you know, you, you take to movement, I yep. guess. I, I feel like it's, yeah, some people it's really hard to make that feel alive and right. real. But um, and for Avenue Q, they used to have a puppet camp. That was your final stage of auditioning. Wow. Before your final callback, they would send you to a puppet camp. So you would have – that was a very long series of auditions to get into that show because, you know, they want to hear you sing and read first without a puppet yeah. and see if you, you know, click with the material. And then they throw a puppet on at some point and see, like, without any kind of instruction, sort of what you do. And they can tell right away if someone's just not going to take to it. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And then if you pass all those tests, then you go to puppet camp for a week and they teach you how to walk and how to focus and the lip sync, how to breathe as the puppet. Yeah. And then you go in for your final callback and do all that same material that you did without the puppet initially. Now you're doing it with the puppet. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's also really, um, you really have to build up those muscles right. because gosh, it's a long show. So I was doing Kate and Lucy and they, you know, they're, they're in a lot of it. So right. it was, you know, there were, you get a lot of hand cramping and like shoulder. Just, I mean, I think right. my neck is messed up for life because of Avenue Q. Wow. The right side of my neck is just like permanently <laughs> sort of stuck. You know, that, I, I feel like I learned a lot about acting and specificity in comedy because of that, because you had to find a way to make this object that is not alive, alive right. and, and make, you know, move in a funny way and see, and f make sure the focus, they always talk about camera angles. Like, you know, you're, you had to have the eyes like in the right, like the head cock and the eyes in the right positioning so that it really looked like it was alive and breathing. Right. And so it was cool. I mean, I wasn't really into puppets as a kid. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know, but now I'm like, it's like a thing. Because I did Hands of God after that right. on Broadway. That was also, those were also puppets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a thing for me now. It's become your thing. That's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so strange, too, because I think, you know, like like Muppets, you know, like Kermit or like Sesame Street or something, like the performance is 100% through the hand, right? Like you don't see the puppeteer yeah. at all. But like on Avenue Q, you're seeing, you see you and you see the puppet, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to be totally married. You're looking where the puppet's looking. You're like, you're breathing with the puppet. You're walking with the puppet. Yeah. It's really, it's so cool. What a cool show. Yeah. Does it just become like muscle memory at a certain point to do all that? Or do you have to consciously Absolutely. be thinking like, okay, I got to move nope, the puppet. It, okay. 
to this day, I put a puppet on and I, it's weird. It's a weird thing. That you happens. can make it like mimic you and stuff. <laughs> Just... Yeah. And, and truly in hand to God, it was actually, I had to, uh, I had to work against that because in hand to God, it was not that way. Right. So I was in hand to God. I had a, um, the people were having conversations and the puppets were doing things together that were separate from each other, like two <laughs> separate stories. Right. So that was a whole nother, like, what is going on? <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. We talked some about sort of the difference between TV and, and theater, but primarily, I guess, comparing comedies. I wonder, you know, you're also on Billions on Showtime and, and Get Shorty on Epics. Like, when you started moving to television, like, what was that learning curve like? My first really big job was on, did you ever see the show I'm Dying Up Here on Showtime? I don't think so, no. It, it was Jim Carrey produced. It was all about comics in the in the... Oh, what is it? It's not the cellar. What is the one in LA? The big comedy club in LA. Oh, wow. Uh, that really famous one. The comedy store? The one oh, on the Sunset? Yeah. Yeah, it was like based on that. Okay. Um, and I played a, uh, I mean, excuse my language, but they're, this is what they're called. I played a chuckle fucker, which is like a groupie for okay. a comedian. Yep. And I had this amazing guest spot with this wild woman and I, all my scenes were with Michael Angarano and I had some sex scenes. I had a lot of nudity writers I designed, but like this wild, vibrant, intense girl. Yeah. And that was like my first really big job. So I feel like I just kind of got like tossed into television right. in that way. Everything it was that like could be thrown at you. Was... Yeah. And, and she had to get very emotional at the end and have this very like, deep scene with him so I just feel like yeah and I had to do a lot of ADR I remember which I'd never done before like yep. it was I don't know it just sort of it, after that it was like breaking the seal and it just then things just started happening I did get shorty right after that and did the whole series and then you know bill, billions came at the same time and then the crew came so I've always been like shooting two television shows at once it's just been like flying back and forth across the country it's been, I can't believe how lucky I am, but also how like fast it sort of happened. It's right. Like I, I was, I remember auditioning for television, just spending years trying to do the doing pilot season and auditioning for everything, and not even getting a nibble. Like maybe test, I tested I think twice in three years, and then all of a sudden it just sort of snowballed. And I don't know, I just kept every show I did. I, I just learned on the set. Yeah. Really, right. I mean, you, but I don't know how you really prepare yourself. They have classes and stuff, but I never did any of that. And how can those classes represent what it really feels like to be on a set? It's so, it's so different. Yeah. But I also have like great people. Like Ray Romano was. I did most of my things with Ray in Get Shorty, and he really taught me a lot and was so generous yeah. and lovely. And I remember the biggest thing about the first that first TV job is really understanding that you have to pace yourself right. because the, you know, in theater you get your five minute break and then you're just working, working, working and you're always on and you're full out for those eight hours that you're there. But when you're on set, it's not like that. Like right. You have these little blips and then you sit in your trailer for an hour. And so I'd be sitting in my trailer just pacing and running lines and like trying to keep my energy up. And by the end of the 14 hour day, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I am I'm so tired. Right. So, I don't know. It's, they're very different worlds, but I've, I feel so lucky to, to be able to jump back and forth between them. Yeah, no, totally. I, I wonder, too, just sort of with that starting and stopping nature, like, 
how do you get yourself back into character or get to like, you know, as you say, there's emotional scenes you have to do or things like that, especially where, mm-hmm. you know, it requires you to be very present in that scene. But, you know, you may have just been, you know, sitting in your trailer for an hour before this and right. then getting called in and, you know, everyone's ready for you to be on in that moment. Like, how how do you get yeah. there? I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know. I think it just depends on the the moment. And sometimes it's just really like, you know, meditating on it in your dressing room before you go out or like, you know, doing a bunch of jumping jacks before you go on, whatever it is that you need to that jump off point, that first moment. But I think it really helps to have awesome co-stars that are just totally present. And, And I have worked with such great people in all of these shows that helps me the most i think just really like connecting with them and dialing yeah. into what they're giving me yeah. but it is it's, it's weird i mean it's, it's still challenging i still have a lot to learn i do feel that way yeah no i mean we all do <laughs> it's you know <laughs> there's no uh no one's mastered this even even the best people <laughs> i feel like yeah so i want to talk too about you know a different venture for you now uh you have a new ep out uh, this is your first kind of solo, uh, mu- you know, you've had cast albums and stuff, but this is like yeah. your music now. Uh, you can ukulele with me. So tell me about sort of, you recorded this before the pandemic happened, right? Yeah, just like two weeks before. Oh, wow. <laughs> so really right yeah, before. was right before. Yeah. yeah. We, did, we just took a weekend and recorded. It's so weird to think about. It's so strange to think about my headspace, all of our headspaces then and just sort of putting together this little sunshiny, bubbly album yeah. with ukulele, and you know, and um, and then everything happened, and then it was all about mixing it. And even for the first month after lockdown, I really couldn't even listen to the playback. Right. They would send me stuff, and I'm like, oh, this feels so weird. This isn't, this is not where my head is at. You know, it felt, it felt sad in a way to yep. me to like to listen to it and. I came around and, and, and listening to it now and working on it. And it's crazy that it was written before the pandemic because I feel like so much of it feels so current, mm-hmm. especially the last song, Waiting for the Light. Yep. You know, I, I would think about that song, you know, at 7 p.m. every night when we're leaning out the, our windows with our pots and pans, screaming for the essential workers, yeah. just feeling like, you know, one of the lyrics we we stand together. I stand alone, waiting for the light to shine. It just felt so. Um, it was very present. Yeah. No, I agree. It, it's interesting. Like in listening to to the record, like there, it feels like a time traveling album, but like in two different ways. Like there's a part of it <laughs> that's very nostalgic, and like I just I feel, you know, like you say, it kind of reminds you of like before times. But then there's mm-hmm. almost this piece of it that feels like it's like this dispatch from the future <laughs> that like things are going to be OK. You know, that light is going to shine again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if you get that sense yeah. of, I'm listening to it. But that's I do. Of, yeah. I'm so glad that you got that from the album. because I, I think, you know, that we, we couldn't have foreseen what was going to happen. But I'm I'm so grateful that we recorded it when we did and that it's coming out right now. It, it feels like a time when um, it can actually be helpful for people, you know, like I think people are finally ready to sort of dig into joy again and, and hope when in the beginning it was so dark and, and so just scary and felt hopeless. And now I think people are ready to, um, to be, I don't know, feel joy, get stand in the sunshine. Yeah. It feels like we're getting closer to that, which is, which is a good thing. 
Um, yeah. Tell me about the choice of ukulele. Is that do you play it or or like why did you go that route as as the primary <laughs> well, instrument on so, it? I know it's so weird. I just love the ukulele so much. I learned the ukulele for a solo show I did at Joe's Pub called Squirrel Heart, and um, the writer of all of these songs, Holly Blanter, she and I were putting together this solo, this nightclub act, and um, she thought it would be a great idea for me to close out the show playing a song on the ukulele. And we chose a song, I think, from The Fantastics. And I was, you know, she got a ukulele. I started trying to figure out how to play it. And she didn't know how to play it either at that point. And so she also got a ukulele. And so she's trying to figure out, like, how to <laughs> teach me. <laughs> and in doing so, she just one day wrote a simple song which is the first song on the EP, yeah. the La La song. She, it just came out of her one day, and she played it for me, and I'm like, oh, my God, that has to be the song that we use. It's perfect. Yeah. And so she taught me that song. That's the first song that I learned how to play on the ukulele, and I sang that to close out my show at Joe's Pub. And since that moment, Holly's been obsessed with writing ukulele songs, and I've been obsessed singing her ukulele songs so that's really how it started and we really wanted to to make an album together i love we love working together and i love her music and it felt like the right time to to do that i had been working on um i did the movie of steven universe which was a musical Uh and meeting rebecca sugar who wrote most of the songs on in that musical and 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 recording that music really like lit a fire under me so i did that like the spring last or the spring right before we we um really started working on the album and it was uh it was just so fun to be in the studio and recording and doing original music and so um that's you know yeah that's why we decided to do it and the ukulele i just i think it's the most delicious quirky little instrument and i we wanted to highlight it yeah, it's so cool. My wife just learned it last year, actually. Uh, one of her friends. Oh, really? She, yeah, she lived in Hawaii for about three years growing up, and one of her friends back there had a bunch of them, and he just sent her one, and she learned how to play it, and now it's like the nighttime thing for like the last year. You know, we've got two little kids, and she just oh. she'll strum little songs for them and stuff. But yeah, it's like it's so portable; like you can kind of take it anywhere, and it's fairly portable easy to pick easy. up. Yeah. Yes, it's easy to learn. Like even if you know they're great ukulele players, but even if you're you know not not very technically savvy right it still sounds good yeah no totally. so yeah oh that's lovely i love that she does that yeah sweet yeah no and i just I, that that's part of why i loved your music too because it was just like ah oh, it it's so relaxing it just it feels so yeah. good so we'll have to send you sheet music so awesome. she can play yeah. it <laughs> that'd be very cool <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, so this has been great. I just, you know, I want to, I guess, end on sort of thinking about, you know, you're, you're going back to work on the crew, I guess, in a couple of weeks. But like, yeah. beyond that, like, where do you think we're headed? What do you what do you think is next for you or for all of us? Or I have no idea. I, I really don't know. I mean, um, I think everyone's still finding ways to stay creative and different ways to to make things. So I don't, I have hope that more and more of that will keep happening. I don't know. I really don't know. I hope that, uh, I hope that it just lightens up a little bit. I yeah. hope that the, we uh, Americans can be a little more supported and feel more united 
I mean, that all scares me too, just the sort of division in the country. Right. So it's a big year. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I have faith that we will find the light because I feel like we always do. All right, Sarah Stiles. Let's find the light, huh? I feel like a big piece of that is voting, too. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you vote. This is not the year to sit on the sidelines. I cast my absentee ballot by mail here in Massachusetts for a primary. We have a primary on uh, September 1st. I sent that in, I think, last Wednesday or Thursday by mail. And uh, the good thing here in Massachusetts is you can track your ballot so you can see when it's been received. So I've been logging in every day and, you know... If for some reason it's not there on election day, I'll don the mask. I'll go vote in person. You can do that here in Massachusetts. They uh, they keep a record to make sure that you're not double counting. So, uh, you know, it's on all of us. Get out there. Go vote. Make some change. All right. New show on Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you get that in your feed. And I'm at Heath Rosella on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know what's on your mind. Let's chat. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Have a great week. Stay safe.